0: Uh, What are the ten biggest risks to the world order, to the security of the United States, to you and me? What are the ten biggest risks that we will face in 2023? This is a tradition with the Eurasia Group, which is a group that uh, looks at the future uh, and uh, under the leadership of Ian Bremmer, who is a political scientist. He is an author. He teaches at uh, Columbia University and he's a columnist at time magazine uh uh, ian it's great to speak to you again though some of the things that you write about are so frightening that uh it's it's not such a great way to go into a weekend for instance you say that uh, there's not a likelihood that the regime in iran is going to fall but uh, the likelihood is that we see military confrontation between a uh, Iran and a new Netanyahu led uh, right-wing coalition in Israel Saudi Arabia and even the United States that's higher than at any point since the Iranian nuclear deal was signed how would that uh, military confrontation uh, first of all, how would it be provoked, and secondly, how would it be resolved?
1: So, well, first of all, good to be back with you, uh, Michael. Always a pleasure. Um, and uh, yeah, th- this is a—it's our top risk report, uh, so it's not—it's not, it's not touchy feely, happy. Uh, but uh, you know, it's—it's it's important to, for people to be clear-eyed about it. Um, And there's some things that look better this year. There's some things that look worse, and and certainly Iran is in the latter category. Uh, What would it look like? Well, first, um, the nuclear deal, of course, um, is gone. The Americans withdrew from it uh, unilaterally, and now the Iranians are developing breakout nuclear capability. They have enriched uh, more than enough uranium to develop nuclear weapons, and they're enriching at 60% level. Which is very close to nuclear level, and even though they say it's a peaceful program, there is no peaceful purpose to enrich at that level. I've spoken with the head of the IAEA, uh, you know, the International Arms Inspectors, uh, just uh, in the last week, two weeks, uh, who made that very clear to me. So uh, they're they're much closer uh, to having uh, to, to, to coming out and saying we're a nuclear power. And uh, they also, of course, have become Russia's top ally on the global stage. Russia's providing for them an air force. First time they've had one since the fall of the Shah back in 1979. Uh, And the Iranians are providing uh, all of these drones and ballistic missiles that the Russians are using against Ukraine. Uh, So, you know, the backdrop is pretty lousy. Uh, and on top of that, you have these all these domestic demonstrations still going strong, even though they're not making the same headlines in the U.S. that they were a few months ago. And the the Iranian response has just been repression. In fact, they're, they're, they look to be they're now sentencing um, a pregnant woman uh, in her twenties uh, to be executed uh, just in the last two days. It's it's just brutal. And so you put all that together. Um, what's the likelihood that Netanyahu's uh, right-wing I- Israeli government, hanging on by just a couple of seats, their majority, uh, would be willing to stand by and watch Iran um, become a nuclear power? And that—that—that's what makes it more likely that we see direct military confrontation. That's—that's that's the fundamental danger here.
0: Okay, going back to one of your previous uh, lists, your list for 2020, uh, you said that uh, we've never listed U.S. domestic politics as our top risk, but in 2020, U.S. institutions will be tested in unprecedented ways. And you talked at that point about the idea that already at the beginning of 2020, uh, there were charges from the president of the United States at that time that the election was going to be rigged. It, when you say U.S. institutions will be tested, did we pass that test? Do we have similar risks in uh, as we go ahead to elections that will take place in 2023
1: and 2024? I'm glad, I'm glad you've moved to something that doesn't sound quite so dire because, yes, the American <laughs> institutions have been tested as certainly they had not been in your or my lifetimes. In fact, as really we hadn't seen in generations. And that played out um, with the uh, election of 2020. It played out with the events of January 6th. It played out with a president that was impeached twice, but in a country where impeachment has lost its legal force and has really just become a partisan political tool. Um, So no question, the institutions were tested But I think what we've seen since then, both with Trump losing uh, significant influence on the national stage, as well as within his own Republican Party, uh, with a large number of uh, individuals that were election deniers running, uh, to to be in positions where they would be able to oversee elections—governors and secretaries of state in swing states. And what we saw in the midterm elections is that they lost. They lost, in many cases, pretty decisively. And so this was a United States swinging back from the extremes towards the political center. Not a consensus. There's still plenty of us versus them, still plenty of Democrats and Republicans that falsely believe that their principal enemies are the members of their own opposition party inside their own country. Um, So there are plenty of things we need to work on but i think for all of those that are out there that are saying you know american democracy is holding on by a thread um and that um we could become an authoritarian regime after the 2024 elections i think the likelihood of that likelihood of that is actually considerably lower than the I, dangers and i think that people i think
0: us. people feel that and uh, and it's reflected in uh, uh decent turnouts, both in the midterm elections and in the election of 2020 itself. Your number one threat is rogue Russia. Uh, What could possibly go wrong that could damage the United States and the whole world?
1: The problem with Russia is that you have an individual leader, President Putin, that has surrounded himself by yes men. He doesn't get good information. And as a consequence, he can make incredible mistakes, misjudgments that are horrible for his own country and also very dangerous for the whole world. And that's basically what's happened here is his decision to invade Ukraine almost a year ago. um, He didn't understand his own military capabilities, didn't understand Ukraine's willingness and capacity to fight back didn't understand that NATO would hold together, the Americans, Democrats, Republicans would hold together. didn't understand that China wasn't going to stand up and be his best friend on the global stage. He's now stuck with Iran and Belarus. So he made this horrible, horrible misjudgment, and now he's kind of in a corner, and, and that no matter what happens going forward, he can no longer get back to the position that he occupied before he invaded. I mean, NATO is expanding. Uh, everyone's spending more money on defense. There's forward deployments right along his border. Ukraine is going to have a massive army with enormous Western support and intelligence and funding. Uh, all of this is much worse than what he was worried about before he invaded. And so he's getting angry. I mean, just in the last couple of days, you see over 100 tanks, heavy tanks, now coming from the U.S. and Canada and Germany and the Netherlands and other countries all going to Ukraine. Those are tanks that, even three months ago, NATO leaders said were too dangerous to set.
0: So, again, what we're talking about is a, an unpredictable situation where a cornered Putin, people may say, is the worst possible and most dangerous possible situation. Uh, this is fascinating reading and it's very important reading. It isn't exactly cheerful, but it's not meant to be and to be honest the 10 biggest risks of 2023 it's posted our website at michaelmedved.com thank you and godspeed to ian bremer when we come back the very latest on the situation in memphis with the release of that video coming up on the Medved show the michael medved show just an hour from now approximately before the uh, very much dreaded release of what everyone has indicated is a horrific uh, video record of a uh, an unspeakable crime that occurred uh, back earlier this month. It occurred some three weeks ago. And uh, that crime was the uh, what ended up being a murderous assault, a second-degree murder by five police officers. Uh, As the whole world knows now, those officers were all black as it happened. So was the target of uh, their arrest, was an arrest uh, having to do with what they perceived as reckless driving? I don't know if the video is going to show exactly what he was doing. Uh, There will be more information, it seems to me that one thing that is dramatic here has been the local officials in uh, in Memphis, which is a two-thirds black population city, have been extremely determined uh, not to give any protections or to excuse in any way the behavior of the officers who've all been fired and arrested and are going to be facing trial for uh, second-degree murder, uh, for kidnapping, uh, for uh, oppression, and for other crimes. And uh, the Shelby County DA uh, spoke about how it happened that the charges came down against the five officers so quickly. This is clip 12 we did work quickly to expedite this investigation because of the extraordinary nature
2: of the case compared to the average investigation and prosecution uh, decisions in a case like this we also know that the public is very concerned about whether they can see the video about this incident and the timing of the release of this uh, the video of these of this incident I have been in regular contact with the city of Memphis, the custodian of that record, and I can tell you that the city will be releasing the video sometime after 6 p.m. Friday tomorrow. Let me close by saying both to the family of Tyree Nichols and to the broader community here in Memphis and Shelby County, we all want the same thing. We want justice for Tyree Nichols. It's my hope that if there is any silver lining to be drawn from this very dark cloud, it's that perhaps this incident can open a broader conversation about the need for police reform. The world is watching us and we need to show the world what lessons we
0: can learn from this tragedy. Uh, the uh, Attorney General of the United States, Merrick Garland, also urged caution for the whole country ahead of the release of uh, a video that has been described as horrific, unwatchable, uh, deeply disturbing. Uh, This is uh, Attorney General Garland, uh, clip one.
3: I have not seen the video, but I have been briefed on that video. Um, It is deeply disturbing, Uh, uh, let me say horrific from the descriptions I've been given. I want to give my deepest condolences to Tyree Nichols' family. Uh, I can't imagine the feelings that uh, parents must feel under these circumstances. The United States attorney uh, has met personally uh, with the family to express the department's condolences and express his own. Um, We have opened last week a federal uh, civil rights investigation under the color of law statute. Um, which we will uh, be investigating. We have been working in support of the state uh, and local uh, law enforcement uh, in this matter, uh, and we will um, continue to do so. Um, I I do want to say, and I want to repeat what the family has said, that expressions of concern when people see uh, this video, um, uh, we urge that they be Peaceful uh, and nonviolent. Uh, that's what the family has uh, urged, and uh, that, of course, is what the Justice Department urges as well.
0: And um, uh, there's another item of news, and uh, just to give some perspective, because we have been, before this situation developed and these officers were indicted. You may remember we were all talking about mass shootings, which uh, seemed to have exploded with some 39 mass shootings with, uh, uh, what is it, 70 people killed in those 39 that uh, have occurred just in the month of January of 2023. And the reason I mention that background is the day before yesterday, we were all talking about police protection. Because even if you're talking about restricting firearms, getting firearms out of the hands of criminals or people who are emotionally disturbed and dangerous, unstable, that's all dependent upon policing and police officers doing one of the hardest jobs that is out there. And that was my thought when reading this headline in the Daily Mail. The headline says, Detroit man, 33, gunned down and killed by cops. And why? How did that happen? Let me give you the brief uh, summary on this, and this uh, from the New York Post. Michigan State Police shot and killed a man who pointed a laser and fired a rifle at a police helicopter On Tuesday, the incident happened around 8.30 p.m. when the helicopter circled north of downtown Detroit, according to police. The 33-year-old man, whose name has not yet been released, had been staying in the abandoned home at the time of the shooting. In other words, he's one of those people experiencing homelessness. Two state troopers shot and killed the suspect who recently moved into the home, according to a neighbor. In the video, the man emerged from the second-story window and pointed a green laser at the aircraft. We got somebody hitting us with a green laser on the rear of the house open window, uh, the, uh, the helicopter pilot said. The uh, uh, moment the police helicopter noticed the laser being shined in the cockpit, uh, moments later the man exited the house and aimed a long gun toward the hovering helicopter before opening fire. Now there's somebody standing at the back door right now. They're in the backyard, the pilot said. He actually might be armed. He almost looks like he's holding a long gun pointed at us right now. Yeah, he's shooting at us. He's firing rounds. He's got a long gun, extended magazine. Police uh, recovered five firearms at the abandoned home, including the one the suspect had used to fire on the aircraft They found multiple weapons and ammunition stashes throughout the home as if it were set up for some type of ambush or security purposes or whatever, said Lieutenant Mike Shaw. The helicopter didn't suffer any damage from the shooting. The two state troopers who killed the shooter are only being identified as a two-year veteran and a nine-year veteran of the Michigan State Police, both on leave pending the outcome of the investigation. It's tough to be a cop, and uh, that should be part of the context, at least to temper some of the emotional reaction that is sure to come. We will be right back for nine Oscars, yeah, that's right, nine, and uh, then movies with uh, the likes of um, uh, uh, Jonah Hill and Eddie Murphy, and uh, uh, don't forget Jennifer Lopez and uh, Diane Keaton, Susan Sarandon, more, uh, all coming up. And meanwhile, we also have a tweet of the day. Turn the page now to the internet.
4: I mean, wow, what a great, smart tweet. Change his password so he no longer has access to his Twitter feed. Did you send the tweet? I did not send that tweet. My system was hacked.
1: I was pranked. Donald Trump hasn't tweeted at us once, and I'm starting to get worried about him.
2: So we have a new tweet. All right. Can I do the honors? Stand by, tweet alert.
0: And the tweet alert, it's a tweet from the AP, Associated Press, and it says the AP style book, and... We recommend, they say, avoiding general and often dehumanizing the labels, such as the poor, the mentally ill, Ill the French, the disabled, the college educated. Instead, use wordings such as people with mental illnesses, and use these descriptions only when clearly relevant. I'm surprised they didn't say use wording such as people experiencing mental illness. They, they now say uh, people experiencing homelessness. Uh, and then they have a follow-up tweet where they say the use of the term the French in this tweet by Associated Press was inappropriate and has caused unintended offense. An updated tweet is coming. And I guess the idea is when they put together the poor, the mentally ill, the disabled uh, and then you have in there, boom, the French. Uh, That is the uh, mistake that I think that they were looking at. There. Is more, uh, there has been a growing encampment off Mercer Street. Maybe you've seen it if you've been in downtown, as we have. Uh, drivers who enter I-5 on uh, Seattle's Mercer Street on-ramp pass by a growing homeless encampment that is hidden uh, behind trees and uh, a repurposed welcome to South Lake Union banners and it's right on top of the street I mean it's it's enough street the on-ramp and the governor of the state uh, Jay Inslee has actually uh, talked about one of these houses in the encampment and uh, tried to speak somewhat forcefully on this issue Uh, this is clip seven the growing camp
4: at the Mercer Street on-ramp in Seattle is one of around 900 camps near freeways in King County. The people living here include a couple that is actively constructing a house with plans to keep building. We're not trying to intrude anything on the highway or be in any kind of unsafe situation. WashDOT has increased funding each year to deal with encampments, including 515 cleanups in 2022 today we saw crews restoring the site of what was a massive homeless encampment underneath the I-90 I-5 interchange. WashDOT tells us their work can only begin after there's been outreach to find housing for people in the camps. This is not acceptable. We cannot allow this to be the status quo. Today, Governor Jay Inslee told Como's Chris Daniels that the situation here on Mercer Street needs to be dealt with ASAP. The homelessness encampment uh, situation we have is not acceptable. That's why we have to take action. That's why I'm asking legislators to step up to the plate. The governor wants more affordable housing, more mental health resources, and more substance abuse treatment but he also says allowing encampments like this to go on is not an option. We need action. This cannot be acceptable as the long-term future for the state of Washington. At the Mercer Street encampment, the people there told us they've been given info for the city's REACH team to connect them with housing, and they fully expect their camp to get cleared out sooner or later. We've had law
0: enforcement, we've had police come and tell us, uh, you know, not to get comfortable, and, uh, and that this isn't gonna last. Uh, this isn't gonna last? And uh, again, how, how much longer does it go on? Uh, it, it just seems so completely out of place. We have a bunch of movies this time. So let's go, if we can, directly to the very latest from Hollywood. big movie that I caught up with and frankly I hadn't uh, seen it before. It's a long film. It's a uh, foreign language film. It's in German Uh, but it is available on Netflix uh, in uh, English uh, dubbed version which is actually very skillful. You hardly notice that it's uh, dubbing from a foreign language. It's well done the uh, film is called All Quiet on the Western Front, and what's interesting about it is it's based upon a 1929 novel that was an international bestseller uh, about the experience of four German schoolboys who were recruited into the Kaiser's army and their suffering during three years of war. Uh, they came in in the middle of the war. That's why it's not the full four years of World War One. I. The, um, in 1930, 19- Thirty Hollywood did an early talkie, which was actually so early as a talkie that it was released in a, what's called an international sound version, where they had just music and sound effects, and then the cards. But then they also had a, a dialogue version, which won the Oscar for best picture back in 1930. Also, all quiet on the front, on the on the Western Front. And the original title in German was uh, Invest in uh, Nichts Neues, uh, Neues Nichts, that, that, that uh, on the uh, West there's nothing new. But this movie is new. Because the cinematic craft is extraordinary, showing the mud and the blood, and there's a lot of mud and a lot of both in the trenches, and the experience of what it must have been like to be an enlisted man in that hellish war that claimed 17 million lives. I don't think it's ever been done with comparable impact to the way that this Oscar-nominated Best Picture candidate has done it. It sounded, some of the dialogue in the film, in that uh, dubbed version, like this. The Kaiser needs
4: soldiers. You have the chance to earn the right to wear the uniforms you have been given. The future of Deutschland lies in the hands of its greatest generation. Welcome to the 78th
1: Reserve Infantry Regiment. We are now on the Western Front.
0: Okay, and you feel like you have been on the Western Front for a period of time. This is streaming on Netflix. And it is such a remarkable film that you'll want to know more about the actual history. And they've added something that wasn't in the novel by Eric Maria Remarque, and it wasn't in the first film, which is toward the very end of the film, the way the negotiations went. Uh With the uh, defeated Germans uh, negotiating and seeking an armistice, with characters of historical characters like Field Marshal Foch, who was a French commander to whom they basically surrendered when they asked for an armistice. Four stars for All Quiet on the Western Front. And they're serious. it's uh, it's rated R because some of the, scenes of suffering and death are incredibly vivid. This is genuinely one of the best films of the year, and it is uh, could be a, uh, a little bit of an underdog, but viable candidate for winning Best Picture. Uh, coming up, three movies about marriage, with all kinds of stars in them, including Eddie Murphy and Jennifer Lopez and Susan Sarandon and Richard Gere and more coming up on the Medved Show. And on the Michael Medved Show, wishing everyone a a peaceful, and uh, one can only hope optimistic as much as possible with the news weekend coming up uh, with uh, romantic comedies uh, three of them opening up uh, across the country and uh, they're opening up uh, on the timeless subject of marriage Uh, for instance uh, one of the biggest stars in the world today jennifer lopez looks just great and she's always fairly funny she can be a very gifted actress she's in a new movie called Shotgun Wedding uh, where she co-stars with uh, Josh DeMell. and uh, there's also a uh, uh, a a host of other stars Rita Coolidge is a star in it and uh, uh, you also have uh, uh, Lenny Kravitz, uh, who plays a significant part. The uh, story is about Josh Duhamel and Jennifer Lopez uh, are engaged. They're getting married. They're getting married in a very gorgeous location in the Philippines but their wedding is interrupted by a gang of uh, blackmailing, ransoming pirates. Listen. There are pirates, and they took everybody hostage. Where is the father of the pride? Robert, Robert, they're calling you. Thanks a lot, Carol. Here's the plan. We're
2: going to head to the next island for help. This weekend hasn't exactly got a plan.
3: Pirates chasing you wasn't
2: on your vision board. You're the only thing on my vision board.
0: Okay, uh, and uh, she's a lovely thing to have on your vision board, but uh, the, the film is uh full of slapstick and and some very murderous violence which is tough to laugh at and it's also tough to believe the plot of the film involving the uh hostage taking of uh the bride and the groom and all of their guests is uh tough to follow along some of the action scenes are reasonably well done and uh Again, uh, Jennifer Lopez trying to make fun uh, and and have fun uh, demonstrating her prowess at uh, shooting back at the evil pirates and even taking down a helicopter at some point. Uh, all of that, I guess, can be intermittently entertaining, but two stars. Uh, the It's on Prime Video streaming there. It's rated uh, R for some... Uh, sex references and uh, some fairly intense violence different film very different is maybe i do and this is set up with a bunch of terrific stars uh and veteran stars william h macy and uh diane keaton and susan sarandon and richard Gere and uh, then a young couple uh, uh, where the bride or would-be bride potential bride who has been living with her boyfriend for a long time um, is pushed to get married by her parents the bride is played by emma roberts who is the niece of julia roberts and it turns out that there are all kinds of connections among these various characters that could surprise you and actually do Uh, listen Our kid sleeps with their kids. Doesn't that entitle us to a dinner? My parents want to have you guys over. Absolutely not. Why don't you want to meet these people? What could we possibly have in common? I've got company. Guess what?
2: What? I'm the company. That's my son, Alan, who's with your wife holding your daughter. How do I know if I love her? You would ask yourself the only question that matters. Does this girl carry within her the potential to suck out your soul like a Nosferatu? No. Then go forward, my son.
0: Uh, this actually is a very funny movie, and it's actually touching at points, and uh, surprisingly so. Uh, the plot has some surprises that uh, are it would be criminal to spoil because they come as very big surprises, and the cast seems to be having a great time. It's rated PG thirteen, uh, though some of the content is uh, in- involves uh, relationships that. Uh, people might might find quote inappropriate but uh, maybe I do is affectionate to the institution of marriage and it is well directed and well acted and it really does make a tremendous difference when veteran stars like this film boasts uh, actually seem to be having a great time it's playing in theaters all around the country rated PG 13 three stars for maybe I do Then the last and certainly the least of these films is called You People. And it stars uh, Jonah Hill uh, as a, a goofball who's bored with his job as a broker and wants to be a podcaster. And he falls in love with a beautiful black girl. And then the question is bringing the parents together. His parents are played by David Duchovny and uh julia louis dreyfus and uh the her father her parents are played by nia long and eddie murphy who uh, doesn't really like the idea of uh his daughter marrying somebody who's jewish and white listen
2: so you want to marry my daughter yes yes i do well ezra you can try We've built a pretty awesome life together we just need to protect it
0: oh so you're all muslim very much so i love it
2: well, this kufi that i'm wearing was actually a gift from the honorable lewis farrakhan mm. are you familiar with the minister's work
0: well i'm familiar with what he said about the jews You know, and- have dinner. okay uh, again the racial stereotypes here both of jews and blacks are profoundly insulting and and not very believable and not funny. Uh, one of the things that you will notice about this film, it's rated R. It's rated R pa- partially because the N word is used repeatedly by all sides of the cast. And if you think that's a bundle of laughs, uh, if you think that uh, the problems with Louis Farrakhan are just a bundle of laughs, I. Uh, I Aside from the 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 problem with the film's essential offensiveness it's almost painfully unfunny and The characters all of them are not characters. They are extremely ugly and extremely unflattering caricatures uh, it's rated uh, R again uh, for sex references and the idea that um uh, every, uh, 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 that that uh, people who are religious black Muslims, uh, members of Nation of Islam, uh, and that the Jewish couple, the parents of Jonah Hill, are given a completely stereotypical name of Arnold and Shelley Cohen. Uh, it's it's tough to enjoy this film, and you feel sorry for a lot of the well-known and obviously very talented people who uh, who turn up in the movie, including Elliot Gould and Richard Benjamin, who have a bit parts that uh, they probably won't <laughs> be that eager for you to see. Uh, one and a half stars for the R-rated you people. It is streaming on. On Netflix meanwhile we have a uh, big show on Monday because uh, Van Jones over at CNN has said that the police who killed Tyree Nichols were black but they might still have been driven by racism okay Uh, does that racism take the blame or is it something Uh, deeper would it be possible even to imagine a case like this with a white victim instead of the black victim that Tyree Nichols represents also with marriage and this appropriate the movies we just reviewed comes great health benefits science says Uh, and uh, there are new studies that indicate that yes tying the knot is good for you Uh, plus a um, with so much going wrong in the world around us there is a collection on the best countries in the world. Uh, The top five destinations for visiting or for making a life. Now some of them are kind of what you would expect, but there's one that's a surprise. Uh, Which one? We will get to that with the five best countries in the world and then there is this, the latest on George Santos. Uh all of a sudden his expenses, which people have looked at that he filed during his congressional campaigns, both of them have tons of expenses, uh literally dozens that are $199.99 for a lot of restaurants, for hotels. Why would that be? It's one of the many mysteries about George Santos' International Man of Mystery. A mystery we will help to solve Monday in This Greatest Nation on God's Green Earth.